It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. If anybody in their right mind is worried about Jalen Brunson translating the next level, then they didn't watch him play. I believe their team is destiny, man. I really do not think that they're going to be denied. Whether it's the fight Bills, the Birds, the Fly Guys, the Process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. Stop feeding John me the car bombs. Run the ball, control the clock, don't do anything stupid. And John Mita. Kids out there, make sure you practice your free throws. Dear God, give me an interview with the Eagle Scouting Department. I know I can be better. for a curveball, throwing you for a loop. Screw the Eagles. They stink. <laughs> yes, they do. We're talking Sixers. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Joe O'Donnell, John Mita. Apologize for the awful singing. I don't know if it's genetics or what. Let's talk Sixers, John Mita. Because I'm... Hang on, actually, real quick. Let's just... Uh, let me just Google search one thing here. Let me see if you guys can hear this time. I'll put the mic right down by the keyboard here in the studio. Uh, put in all caps here. NFL Draft 2019. Oh, Thursday, April 25th. All right. Well, that's the next time I care about the Eagles. Thursday, April 25th, 2019. Book it. With the 12th pick in the NFL Draft, the one-time defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles Select. Who do you think come out and do it? Carmichael? They bring Akers back out? Oh, man, I think Akers. B-Doc. B-Doc should call man, it. Where? Call it out. B-Doc should. Where's it going to be, though? I forget. Uh, that's a good Is question. Is it Los Angeles? It will be it in Nashville, down in Tennessee. Oh, Let's go. That's you want right. to go? That's not a bad time to go. Let's go. Still, Let's go, baby. I've never been to Nashville. Me neither. I know some peeps, though. I know some peeps down there, and I heard it's a great time. <laughs> Let's do that it. That would be a nice trip. That could be it. When we go there to cheer on the next left tackle to pull off the Eagles, apparently. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> oh, God. Follow us on Twitter. So Happy. Talk- was that, brother? Yeah. Go ahead. I was so just going to say, follow us. <laughs> what I got to do is remind you to follow us on Twitter at Love Podcast, at Love Podcast. 
Appreciate all the love and support. This is the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. He's John Mita. I'm Joe O'Donnell. We both hate football. Let's talk basketball. Jimmy Butler is a sixer. He'll debut tomorrow night or by the time you hear this podcast, maybe later on tonight. Johnny Mita, you're the resident hoops man in the house. Break it down. Jimmy Butler's a sixer. Your thoughts? I was just shocked. I was actually sitting in a movie theater around Saturday afternoon. Phone started blowing up at will. Uh, blockbuster trade reported Jimmy Butler to the Sixers. An amazing trade by Alvin Brand and the Sixers organization for a couple of reasons. I mean, they gave up a sack of nickels to get a sack of gold. Um, to just give up Robert Covington, Dario Saric, and a second-round pick, it's just, to me, I think this train, this trade right here represents the second coming of the great train robbery when Jimmy Johnson traded Herschel Walker to the Minnesota Vikings for all those draft picks. Because I just think this is an absolute superstar deal for a couple reasons. Obviously, as Sixers fans, we're all disappointed when LeBron James did not sign here and we couldn't get our hands on the great Kawhi Leonard. So, you got to say, bringing Jimmy Butler here is not a bad third-door prize. There's so many things that this guy can do. He is... First of all, he's a 20-point scorer all day long in his entire career. Um, he is one of the best defensive players in the entire league. And if you look at the Sixers' weaknesses of the teams that they're going to be competing against uh, to make it to the NBA Finals, you look at a team like Boston. They have great wing players, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Okay, who was going to guard those guys? So Roca was kind of struggling guarding both of those guys. So here's a guy, Jimmy Butler, will be able to come in defend those guys, and then give some that scoring punch. He'll be able to knock down some shots if Ben Simmons doesn't want to take. Why? I don't know why, but that's a whole other subject. But this is an absolute home run. I know people are skeptical. They're like, oh, my God, you know, he was a cancer in the locker room in Chicago. You know, all the disruption he caused in Minnesota. This is what I really think it comes down to. I think he went out to Minnesota. There's a couple reasons how that, that relationship's out. For one, they didn't want to extend his contract. That will not happen here. They will extend his contract because everyone goes, well, you know, he could just leave after this year. It's just going to be a rental. Well, here's here here's the difference, people. Okay, if he leaves in free agency, the max contract he can sign for is about $141 million. If he stays with the Sixers, he can sign a super max, which is about $1.95, $195 million. It means if he leaves the Sixers, he's going to leave $50 million on the table. Nobody in their right mind is going to do that. Excuse me, sorry. It's going to do that because this is probably going to be the last big heyday contract he'll get in his professional career. I think he's about 29 years old. So so I don't see him leaving. The other thing is everyone says, well, he was such a disruption in the locker room, you know, calling out, you know, Andrew Wiggins, the Anthony Towns. I just think those were young guys. They just didn't have the work ethic. They didn't want to play together, and I just I, I just feel like this is going to be a situation. First of all, we have Joel Embiid on this team. He's the top dog, right? Everyone knows that this is Joel's team, and, and, and I think he's just going to fit in. And he wants to win, and he's going to be able to help these young players, and he's a great closer. For me, this trade's a home run. I'm so excited because the Eagles season has gone up in flames right before our eyes within the last couple of days. 
And now we might have something to root for going into the summer, and we'll see how the baseball team works out with free agency. But Supes are pumped up about the move. It's amazing. People also need to know, and people that follow closely, I'm sure, already do know, but the Houston Rockets were giving up four first-round picks and two players to get their hands on Jimmy Butler. So how Ellen Brand pulled this trade off, I know there might have been a couple better offers on the table. I think the situation just became too toxic in Minnesota. They were on like a downward skid, and they just said, listen, we got to get rid of them now. So I was hoping – it's just amazing. I'm so glad that this deal has happened in the beginning of this season as opposed to have the all-star break, and then you have like you know, 23, 30 games left before you, you make that playoff push. So this time this will give him a, a big chunk of the season to get acclimated with his new teammate. Now, don't get me wrong. There's going to be some struggles in the beginning. You know, they're just going to start to play with each other. I mean, it's. I mean, they're going to play. You know, try to decipher how one plays, how how to work together. But for me, I'm super pumped up. I think this is an awesome deal, and I can't wait to see see it on the court. Well, listen, the Sixers needed to do something because they brought back essentially the same cast of characters. You could even argue a worse group than bowed out to Boston in five games because of the loss of Ilyasova because of the loss of Bellinelli and Fultz making a a step forward, but certainly not a leap forward. And it doesn't appear that Ben Simmons is at least more confident in shooting the basketball or trying to take more shots, you know, at a vast margin than maybe a year ago. Maybe there's a little improvement there, but not much. And so Boston obviously got better because Kyrie's back. Gordon Hayward's back on paper better. I know their record right now, they're kind of trying to figure things out themselves, but you've got Toronto off to a great start. Milwaukee appears to be taking that next step, and the Sixers all of a sudden were looking at maybe the four or the five seed unless some things broke their way or they went on one heck of a run. This can change all that, that dynamic of another piece. We always talk about the big three in the NBA going back to the Celtics when they had Ray Allen, Garnett, etc. You know, Miami adding the pieces to kind of with LeBron going down there and Chris Bosh joining D-Wade, and they kind of had their big three, and we've seen that be the trend in the NBA. If you don't have three superstars, or at least three stars, you probably don't have a shot to win the NBA title. Then you look at Golden State, they have like 26 superstars. So they've, they've closed the gap. Um, sure, is there some concern about his volatility, his um, maybe meshing with other players? Quite possibly, but all I've heard the last couple days is that Jimmy Butler wants to win, something you said, John Mita. So what better place than a team that's already going to win, a team that could achieve greater things, and as you said, they can pay him the most money now out of anybody on in, in the league. So it seems like it can fit, it can work. We'll see how it plays out on the court. Five straight years now, something you touched on, including this season, the Butler's averaged 20 or more points. He gets about five boards a game, four assists, so he, he does distribute the ball. He competes. He works his tail off. He is going to push a guy like Ben Simmons to be great. Okay? And Joel Embiid, you don't need to push those buttons. The big man's ready to go. And I think, I could be crazy here, you would know more than me, but having played with Carl Anthony Towns, another prolific big man, it should be somewhat seamless to go play with JoJo now. So we'll see how the Simmons and Butler thing works out, but Simmons loves to distribute the rock, and he can get to the lane himself. So I think there's an opportunity here adding a shooter like Butler, and as you said, a closer, a guy that you can rely on in the clutch. Now Simmons doesn't have to have the ball down the stretch. That was one of the things that killed the Sixers last year against the Celtics is were those late-game situations. They just didn't have anybody that, you know, you got MB jacking up threes late in the game. You can't have that. You've got to be able to have a guy that can break down a defense, that can go, all right, this is my ball with eight seconds to go in the game. You inbound it to me. I'm taking the final shot. 
If he's that guy, makes the Sixers way more dynamic, way more of a complete team. Uh, He'll make his debut Tuesday night for the Sixers, who won a big game last night with sort of a depleted lineup because of no uh, Sharich, no Covington in the lineup, and they didn't really get any pieces back, essentially, to fill those voids. So good job by the Sixers to get a win last night down in Miami to stay, I think it's three games above 500 now at 9-6. and And certainly, it looks like they could be the talk of the town moving forward. Because as we transition to the grease fire that became the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football, you know I don't like to use that term much for my beloved sports team, Sean Mita. But my God, my God, if we're ever going to have a Dear God segment, it's Dear God, what the hell happened Sunday night? I'm sorry that you had to be there. I'm sorry you spent your hard-earned money to be there. I'm sorry you had to endure that. Because as much as there were a few moments there where it's like, all right, Eagles have it together. This is going to be a win. They end up falling short. They lose 27-20 in a game they never led at home coming off a bye against a division rival with both teams' seasons at stake. The Cowboys appeared to want it more. And I'm going to say this, and this this line has not been uttered much in the history of Jason Garrett's coaching career, but he outcoached Poopy Peterson and the Eagles staff. The Cowboys staff outcoached the Eagles staff. You can slice and dice it any other way you want. That's embarrassing. Plain and simple. Whether you want to credit the Ginger Garrett, you want to credit Scott Linehan, his coordinator, I don't care. The Eagles got outcoached, they were outperformed, and it's embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. This football team is four and five now, and I'm not kidding when I when I'm telling you the season is over. Like I will hold out hope, but it's hope. It's not a this is going to get done. It's not a belief anymore for me. I fully believe going into Sunday night they were going to pound the Cowboys. I know it's a division game. I know the Cowboys season was at stake, but the Eagles are a better football team. They were coming off a bye. They were at home, and they had come off a win against Jacksonville that should have turned the ship around. Didn't appear at all that those things equated to the 53 guys on the field Sunday night. That's the thing I have a problem with the most. That's what I'm most upset about. And God damn it, I hate losing to the Cowboys. Well said, brother. I mean, it's just the whole vibe of the game. What they displayed in that first half was just so lackadaisical. Yeah, what did they display? They were just so lethargic in in all these three and outs. And, you know, there's the statistics that's mind-blowing. Like, in the first quarter drive, they've only scored three touchdowns. And you're talking nine games. It's just horrendous. They never get off to a fast start. And Peter King had the gall to come out and say, oh, the Eagles fans are bush league for booing that team as they left the field at halftime. What, are we supposed to cheer because they're losing to the Cowboys down 13-3 to at half? A Cowboys team that averages 13 points on the road, and the Eagles end up giving 27 points to the Cowboys? I mean, you're right. They were outcoached. It was ridiculous. And I'm just getting so tired and sick of Jim Schwartz and his game plan. I know he doesn't blitz a lot. I get it. He needs to blitz more. And I know the cornerbacks are struggling because they can't really cover anybody through the injuries, which which has been, you know, just been in this football team so hard, I get it. But you got to come up with a better damn plan than that picket fence defense on third and long, third and 15. Like, if anybody gets the ball on, like, a 12-yard slant and breaks one tackle, they're going to get a first down. It's just so vanilla. It's so – you see the same thing, the definition of insanity every week. That defense didn't work against Tennessee – it didn't work against Carolina, and it sure as hell didn't work against the Cowboys. And it's just, you know what? Change it up. 
do something different. Bottom line is the Eagles blitzed Dak Prescott more than any other time in Jim Schwartz's career than any other time, and they've had great success when they blitzed him. If you if you if he has all day, he's going to take any any quarterback in the NFL. If you give them enough time, they will pick you apart. But if you rush him and rush his decision making, he's going to make mistakes. The other thing with this defense, and I don't know if it's just one of the things about Jim Schwartz's defense, they have seven turnovers in nine games. That's right, people. Seven turnovers in nine games. Right now, that's like a franchise low. And they could finish with the worst defensive turnover ratio and in franchise history. It's just it's ridiculous. That's another reason why we're not winning football games. The team that wins the turnover margin usually wins the game. Well, hang on, and, and, and I get that, right? but the Eagles aren't even really losing the turnover battle a lot. It's not like they're getting you know turnover battles 3 nothing in favor of the opponent every week. But to your point, you create those opportunities, you get a shorter field usually, or you get momentum based off that, and that usually equates to points. How many times do you see the stats at the bottom? Two turnovers forced, 14 points off. One turnover forced, three points off. Like That can be a huge part of the game. They're not making it easier on themselves. And, and the thing that bothers me is when, it, when push comes to shove, they're not making plays, whether it's offense, whether it's defense. And when the hell was the last time this football team made a play on special teams? You got an answer to that? No, I don't. That's the problem. Yeah. You're DeAndre right. Carter returned a punt for about 50 yards against the Titans. Yeah. Right? And that put them in business, and they ended up losing in overtime anyway. Well, I mean, today, you know, in the NFL, as far as them moving up, and they don't want the collisions, and I get the concussion. But when you move up the ball that far, and I mean, you don't see kick returns or touchdowns in this league anymore. No, but I just a a punt block, a field. I mean, Dave Phipps, Dave Phipps' team, special teams group, was the best in the league a couple years ago. When the team sucked offensively and defensively, special teams is what was keeping them, you know, I don't want to say kept them winning games, but it kept them them momentum in their favor so much. They blocked, what, five punts one year. You're right. I mean, it's just, they're 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 doing nothing. In any facet. Oh, I know. It's brutal. And look at, listen, when's the last time we had a defensive touchdown? Kamir Cruiser Hill had one hit, hit him in the damn face mask on Sunday. He could have crawled into the end zone. I mean, I was like, just like, I mean, just one time. Can we get a defense? I thought this defense, I mean, I picked them in like four leagues and fans. Yeah. I thought they were going to be a juggernaut, and they've just made zero plays. And the most frustrating thing also, too, with their defense is the offense finally gets going and scores, and then the defense just came down and the Cowboys went on like 80-yard drive. And that's just so disheartening. And I, and I get it. It's got to be frustrating for the defense. And I know the Jacksonville Jaguars defense is going through the same thing. When their offense, you know, they just feel like the whole game is on their entire shoulders because their offense is just not producing enough points. And this team has only hit, what, one time they've hit 30 points against the terrible-ass Giants? I mean, that's the only time I can remember where their offense looked extremely good. Yeah, and, and, and what happened so on that first series? They got a pick. Yeah, yeah. And it's so disheartening and disappointing when you have that much time off between games and that's the type of egg you threw out there. And then you hear Doug Peterson in the press conference talking about, we got to finish harder at practice. You know, I got a problem with that too. Like, what the are you doing in practice? Are you not practicing hard enough? And the other thing is like, 
Lane Johnson, let's look at the offensive line. It's been a troublesome spot for the entire the team the entire year. You know, Jason Peters, he's working with one arm, one leg, everything. Granted, you know, I love his heart, but he's if done. he can't get the job done, he looks like he's done. I mean, he does. It's a shame, and but he, shame, he will play his last game in an Eagles play. uniform here pretty soon. Yeah, but he just looks like he's shot. And then you have Lane Johnson with a high ankle sprain, and then he also had a, and what, a second-degree tear or a sprain, which is essentially his a minor tear, uh, of his MCL, and they're talking about he was going to start two weeks later, and that's what he said. He was probable to start. And then all of a sudden they're like, he's not starting. So when you have that many shuffling pieces inside the, you know, going on within the offensive line, when guys are coming in, they're playing two series, you know, they can't develop any continuity either. And God damn it, I'm going to say this once, and I'm going to say it again. Can we run the football? I don't care if we don't have the personnel not to run the football. But when you pass the ball 48 times to 14 runs, you are going to be so predictable. And, God, some of the play calls, you know, in 31, if you know you're going to go for it on 31, you're in their territory, why not try to run the ball? What happened? Incomplete pass. Incomplete pass, turnover on down. Or they did incomplete pass on third down, and then they gave the ball to Josh Adams, fourth down, and they ran it to the right side where Lane Johnson wasn't. He was out. Try Peter's side. Try the left side. Like, why would you run it to the weakest side? I don't understand that. Then the screen pass to Corey Clement. Like, it's just, ah, uh, these play calls, man. There's no creativity. He looks lost, man. For, he looks lost. And for, and for goodness sake, and yeah, and, and you brought this up too. For goodness sake, can we take some deep shots? You know, they took one deep shot to Golden Tate that was clearly pass interference. The ref had his head in his you-know-what and, and didn't make the proper call there. And then they took another deep shot to Nelson Aguilar, and he pulls the ball in for 51 yards. But we just don't see enough of that. The bottom line is you're probably going to get a penalty if you throw the ball downfield. But this dink and dunk game that we see week in and week out, it just drives me crazy. And the offensive line can't get into a rhythm, just like the running back can't get into a rhythm if they're only getting two handoffs per game. It's just, you know what? You brought this up, Joe. This might be this might be a direct correlation of the loss of Frank Reich and John DeFlippo on the offensive side of the ball. We often wondered how much that would have an impact on this coaching staff. You know, was it Doug really pulling the trigger on these play calls? Or did he have a great influence from Frank Wright? And, you know, the comfort level with John Flippo and Carson Wentz. And, and now we got to go play the Saints. You just yeah. tattooed Good luck. the Cincinnati Bengals on the road 51-7. But we got to go down to the Bayou this weekend and, and go beat that juggernaut. they got two great running backs. they got good wide receivers. They got a Hall of Fame Super Bowl winning quarterback, and their defense is much better than it was last year. So this is this is just not looking good right now. No, it no. looks like the dumpster fire. And then you got finished. and then you got three you got three division games after that. And granted, those teams aren't very good. But when was the last time a team went three and zero in their division in three consecutive weeks? Any division, any team. Unless maybe it's the Patriots playing the hapless Jets, Bills, and Dolphins back to back to back. Exactly, and just like we thought, we should just take care of the Cowboys. Look what right. happened. We got smoked. Golden Tate played eighteen snaps on Sunday night. Ridiculous. And five more on special teams. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why he wasn't on the field more. And again, I'm not saying you even have to give him the damn ball. 
but isn't he out there to just take some defensive pressure off of everybody else, if nothing else? Doesn't that logic add up? And every time they pan to Mr. Philly Philly, let's build a statue outside the stadium, he looks lost. Deer in the headlights, glazed over eyes. Doug Poopy Peterson, wake the hell up. Stop talking about looking in the mirror. Stop pulling the Andy Reid cliches after games. Start ripping the damn paint off the wall in that facility because guess what? Last year's over, bro. Okay? You know how much solace I got in a Super Bowl championship Sunday night when I tried to go to bed? Monday morning when I woke up twice before my alarm went off and literally was thinking about the football game? You want to know how much solace I got? Absolutely zero. As many snaps as I played in the NFL, zero. That's the amount of solace I got in the Super Bowl title. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It's great. Talk to your kids about it. They can't take the trophy out of the facility. I don't care anymore. Okay? The trash talking about winning the Super Bowl, I'm still trying to pull it out there. It's lost its luster. It's time for this football team to go back to the new norm that Doug Peterson talked about after they won it. This ain't the new norm. This is the old norm. This is the crap we dealt with for all the years. And it stinks. I'm tired of it. Wake up. Figure it out. You got a chance to save the season if you win like seven in a row. Otherwise, April, whatever the hell that date was I gave you earlier, I'll see you in Nashville. I'm so pissed off, man. I can't stand the way they went out. And and you look at the, the Panthers game, the Titans game, you piss those games away. You pissed them away. And guess what? Now when you lose one that you didn't think you should, where you weren't that good, you had a chance, you didn't get it done, now what gets magnified? Those games you should have won against the crappy Buccaneers where you weren't ready to play, first play of the game, bomb, see ya. The game you blew defensively against the Panthers. The Titans game where it was fourth and a mile and Corey Graham was out to lunch. Those losses get magnified when you don't take care of business then thereafter. The NFL is not a league where you can piss away games, period. End of sentence. You know what? I'd like to see a little more heart, a little more effort from the players. You know, they should come out pissed off, and I hope they are. I just read some and alert on my phone. like, the Saints expect players expect the Eagles to just come out fired up. Well, you know what? Why? Why would they expect the Eagles to come out fired up? We haven't seen it. The only fired up play I saw, honestly— Michael Bennett, to start the half, murdered Dak Prescott. It felt like the whole, through the television, it felt like the whole stadium was like, all right, here we go. We The, the Eagles seemed to get some momentum off of that play. Yeah. And then for a while, the second start. half had the Eagles' flavor to it. It had that, you know, a stop and a touchdown. Yeah. Tie the game. Give up a touchdown. All right, come right back. Get another touchdown. 20-20. What do you need? A stop. No shot. And then and then you start moving the ball again. Okay, we're in a shootout. Here we go. You go rush a play before the two-minute warning. You lose five yards. Game over. See you later. I, I got a couple guys. I got a couple guys that I, I love to death. And these guys will always have a special place in my heart and Philadelphia's heart because they brought a title. But on my MIA list and my what-the-hell list, defensively, Chris Long. Okay? He's probably going to retire Maybe he shouldn't even have come back. He's a humanitarian, a great person by all accounts. He's a multiple-time Super Bowl champion. He's been invisible for large chunks of the season. Like, invisible. I don't know why. I don't watch the All-22. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't even care. He's been invisible. Big disappointment. And offensively, Corey Clement, my guy, undrafted. Love him. Thought he was going to have a breakout year. You know what, LeGarrette Blunt moving on? No big deal. We got Clement. He's ready to step up. He has done nothing. Literally nothing. 
Well, I just don't. I just don't understand. Like they incorpor- they incorporated Corey Clement in the passing game so much last year. You know, almost like the role that Sproles had. Yeah. And now he's just nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. Like, they don't send him on wheel routes. You know, they tried a screen pass the other night, but I mean. But but they were throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage. I know. It's you had ridiculous. two yards to get. I know it was just move the ball. sticks. Why are they? Why are they? Tri- what the benefit? Like the upside of that play is a home run. It's first and goal. Maybe it gets to the house. The downside yeah, the other- is they blow it up, and now you're fourth and longer. Well, how about maybe even two QB keepers? No, Tom Brady sneak. Yeah, up the Wendell Smallwood had two the- carries in the football game for four yards. Again, I'm not a Wendell Smallwood guy. I'm not here to tell you he's the guy, but he had two carries for four yards. Okay, Corey Clement had five carries for a whopping 13 yards. Josh Adams averaged almost seven yards a carry. But let's not stick with that. Let's not make Dallas prove they can stop him. Let's just give him the opportunity not to have to stop him. Clement, one catch minus five yards is the play we just talked about. Okay? A long time ago, February, that wheel route was maybe the biggest play of the Super Bowl where he smashed through a guy and took it all the way down to what? The goal line, basically? The five-yard line? 50-yard play? Right before the Philly-Philly, right? I mean... 10, I think, yeah. Yeah. Like those are the plays where he gets going downhill and he runs like he has a chip on his shoulder and I just haven't seen it. And Darren Sproles, <sighs> my God. Like well, I just feel for him. I feel for him because he wanted so bad not to go out the way he went out last year, and now he's going out in even a worse way, which is week to week. You know, close yeah. practicing, re injured. Well, I mean, close yeah, practice, re injured. Now what? Well, and then you look at the way Doug handled him. You know, in the Atlanta game, he gave him like 20 touches right from the jump, and then they finally brought in Jay Jai in the second half and got him going. But he was like the feature runner, and he just burned him out. Like, it got him hurt. Like, I don't know. And he's old. I, I just, that was disheartening to hear the news. Do we, we, yeah. we overvaluate over-evaluate this roster? Is this team better than 4-5? and five? Do they just stink? Are they just missing the mojo? I mean, do they just need a long off season to to regroup? Well, Last year, the book tours and the parades and the city buying them beers. Did, did that all just go to their head? I mean, where? What happened? I, I, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think the Super Hangover, Super Bowl Hangover is real. Looking the years past, there's a lot of other champions that the following year didn't even make the playoffs. Um, I think Howie didn't have his greatest off season. Um, you know, I don't think they got a lot out of their draft this year. I mean, Dallas Goddard looks like he's going to be a decent Where's player. Where's Josh Sweat? Um, Josh Sweat is in the Windows Protection Program. Um, so, I think this year it, they definitely have to look at I mean, there's going to be some huge positions in need, but I think, you know, you're definitely going to have to look at getting another offensive tackle. I think you're also going to have to look at trying to find yourself that featured running back. Because if this offense had like a three-down featured running back, then that could also alleviate a lot of pressure on this football team. So I think it was just a combination of everything, man, and just sometimes and and, and coaching. The coaching just hasn't been good this year all the way through. I mean, on the defensive side, special teams, offensive side of things, it just has not been good. The offense has calling. no flow when they don't when they huddle. Have you noticed that? When they when huddle, they huddle yeah, there's I nothing. Agree. When the they do not when they go up tempo, yeah. that's the only time they move the football. That is a great point. And I noticed that and that's you know, proof of a pudding. 
in the Dallas game, when they started to go up tempo, they really did start to get in the flow. They made some plays. You're absolutely right. And and I think so, I think I'd have to go back and check, but one of the few opening or quarter or you know first quarter points they have touchdown against the Colts. Went his first game back week three. And I'm pretty sure they started that game up-tempo, no huddle. Wentz's first series. Now, they were aided by some boneheaded penalties on the Colts and whatnot, but they got seven points. And I don't remember, you know, you talked about the two points per in the first quarter on average. I don't know if they have another opening quarter touchdown or opening drive touchdown all season. But they got one against the Colts when Wentz first came back, and I think we all thought that Jesus had come back into the stadium and, and the Eagles were start for, scar, scoring 40 points again, which obviously hasn't happened. But I'm pretty sure they went... No huddle up tempo on that drive. I think you're right. So, like and and minutes, for the love yeah. of God, can Carson Wentz, and I've been saying this for weeks, and I apologize for sounding like a broken record, he's got to run the ball more. He's got to use his legs. Part of the reason that yeah. he's such a weapon are his legs. I know he's got unbelievable arm strength. I know he has moxie. I know he thinks the game. I know he can read yeah. you know, read the, the progressions and make all these wacky sidearm throws that Chris Collinsworth had his you-know-what in his hand over the other night. But Carson Wentz needs to use his legs. Period. Okay, one carry, you know, for seven or eight yards the other night, whatever it was, like, ended up with five carries officially. One or two of them were, like, falling forward on a sack where he got a yard. Like, he has to break down the defense with his legs. That kills a defense, crushes a defense soul. When it's third and whatever, you've got everybody covered, your back's to the quarterback, and he makes a play with his feet. I, I gotta have that more from him. I don't know if it's this year. I don't know if it. it's got to be part of his game. What made him great in college, that's what made him great, if you remember, through chunks of his rookie season and early last year before he got hurt. He made plays avoiding those, you know, those magical scrambles where he sheds a tackle, he spins to his right, and then either he flings it, believe it or not, downfield, or he would take off with his legs. Yeah, absolutely. And it just, but again, that's also a product of just their offensive line being so banged up and just not as good. But I hear you. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly in the NFL teams can go from having the best line, arguably, quote-unquote, you know, to having nothing. Yeah. Two years ago, Dallas, Ezekiel Elliott, beast. Best line ever. Best line in football. Last year, by the end of the year, Eagles have the best line ever. Pro football focus, best football, you know, best offensive line ever. Now this year, where are they? You know, now you're talking about other teams. It's crazy how quickly the chemistry or the, the bumps and bruises or whatever it is can catch up with you as a group. Stefan Wisniewski's not even heard from anymore. I didn't even hear that guy's name. Did he get in the football game on Sunday night? He started on the damn Super Bowl championship team last year. Big V, huge piece of the Super Bowl. Had his, the best game of his life in the Super Bowl last year. And he's a turnstile through large chunks of his opportunities this year. Brandon Brooks misses the block on a screen pass. Kelsey. Never, you know, downfield on a screen. Kelsey used to lead the way. Don't see any of that anymore. And we talked about Jason Peters, the walking wounded. All right, and Lane Johnson yeah. has really struggled, too. I mean, yeah. he was arguably maybe the best tackle in football last year. And he's had a rough year. Obviously, he's been banged up. But he hasn't put his best best year together, that's for sure. All right, give me the line, your line, the John Mita point spread for Sunday. Any prayer at all the Eagles win? Any prayer? Listen, you just got to hope. The Saints just come out flat. I mean, listen, did anyone really think the Patriots were going to lose to the Tennessee Titans? No. But, listen, this NFL is waggy as hell. So, am I going to tell you I have no shot in hell? No. Am I going to tell you I believe that they're going to win the game? Probably not. But stranger things have happened. And, listen, maybe this team 
just rises up to the occasion one time this year and puts things together. Maybe the play calling gets creative. That's if, all I got. If the I mean, Eagles win on Sunday, are you a believer again? I, no, I think the only way for this team to make a run is knowing that they got a lot of work to do. They have to beat both the Rams and the Saints to get into the playoffs. Well, good luck and Godspeed, Philadelphia Eagles. All right, I know you had a rant you want to get into. I, I did want to say first, uh, Philadelphia Flyers playing much better, more respectable hockey. Shocker, I know. Boy, a Flyers team that's streaky. Never heard of that before. That's all I got on the Flyers, but we buried Hackstall and their inconsistency last podcast a couple weeks back. Since then, I don't think they've lost. So, uh, good job, Philadelphia Flyers. Maybe, maybe they were listening, but how about this also? we got to give a little quick shout-out to Gritty. He got some writing votes in the election. He should have won. A couple weeks ago. <laughs> oh, man. All right, ran away, brother, and we'll get out of here. All right, ran away. All right, here we go. Well, I, this is a non-sports-related rant, but this pisses me off the high heaven. I'm sure people experience the same fury and anger that I do going through this total process. And what I'm talking about is when you're trying to buy tickets for some type of event, or you're making some type of reservation for a hotel or some trip or something, when you go through the process and then they throw up that thing that you got to put in a box because they want to know if you're not a robot or not. And then the letters are A-X, capital uh, L, backslash, who gives a whatever. And some character never you've never seen. seen before and isn't on your yeah. keyboard. Yeah, yeah, that. Countless times, like, you have three minutes left. You can't put it in. Or then here's the new one. This is the even better one. Now you're playing photo hunt. This is the greatest <laughs> thing ever. You're playing photo uh, hunt. How many bicycles are in these <laughs> pictures? Click all the bicycles and the pictures. I got one the other day. was like, are these hills or mountains? And they show me <laughs> 10 different landscapes. And I have no idea. It's like, I'm not a damn robot. Come up with a more efficient way so I don't have to spend my time just, just about to break my computer and have time to figure out how to make this damn reservation or pickets or purchase those damn tickets. It's oh, so true, God. man. It's, just, it's so true. It's just, that might be your best ran ever. I love the parking issue. I love the parking lot issue at the link. I've loved oh. the uh, the police oh, officers the, the, crossing the crosswalks. People get. Oh. I love your non sports rants. There may be nothing better than that because. Oh. You're right. Everybody has gone through it if you've operated some type of computer or purchasing like, system. And I don't know. Like I don't know if that's a street sign. I don't know. I can't tell. I click on it because I hope it's a street sign, but I can't tell because the picture is about the size of my thumbnail and it's grainy as hell. Or it's like, is that a lowercase? Is it an uppercase in different font? I mean, it's just mind-blowing. It just, it just drives me up the flow. So thanks for listening to that rant, people. You share my pain. I'm so, sure. did you get a purchase? Whatever you're trying to purchase. Yeah, finally, finally. After I clicked the seven, after my seventeenth try, I finally found one easy enough. How many stop signs are on the road? Uh, well, Johnny Mita, you know what, brother? That's perseverance. Eagles could use some of that. No doubt. All right, <sighs> go Sixers. All right. Stay tuned for Jimmy Butler's debut, Philadelphia. 10-9-8-76ers. I'm ready for the NFL draft. It pains me. I, I just... I hate the Cowboys. 
All right, go birds, go birds, baby. Go down, go down to the bayou, little bourbon street. Shock the world, Jeff. shock the world. Hey, last time I think they were in New Orleans. You and I were there. You almost died choking on a chicken nugget on the way back. They lost by like sixty Monday Night Football. The fortunes are reversed. Yeah, let's get it done. All right. This is the Brotherly Love Podcast, SoundCloud and iTunes. Appreciate all love and support. Until next time. See Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.